Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thanks as always for checking out the show and we made it. We're back again. Hump Day. Hump Day Bloggerama. Weekly show where I'm talking about stuff I spotted on RPG blogs. Then I'll put up all the links for you to check out over at the Thought Eater blog. You can just Google that or go to Froth Soft SOF. God. Classic Froth intro. Froth Soft. Yep, yeah, I know. The SOF stands for Cider Fries, but that's a long story. FrothSoftDD.blogspot.com. Easiest way is to just Google Thought Eater blog and hopefully add me to your blog roll. Bookmark it, add it to your blog roll. And all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, all the links will be up there. And, man, what a big show. I'm telling you, I cut out so much stuff today. I had to whittle out, like, you know, 20-plus things just to get it manageable. And it's still just bursting with awesomeness. I couldn't cut anymore. So I'm excited about it. Um, but first, we got some call-ins. And, uh, you know, far and away, my most popular shows, the hump day bloggerama, which is completely understandable. Um, it would be the one that I listen to the most. Um, so can't blame anybody else, but, um, you may or may not be aware. I do a Friday show called five minute Fridays, and it's kind of like a chaser to, to, to this show. You know, this show is usually around an hour long. So I like to do something short, real short on Fridays and uh kind of chase away the the hump the hump day uh you know the hump day would be the the tequila and uh five minute friday maybe a little bit of lime a little tangy little lime (laughs) so anyway i got some call-ins from the five minute friday show and and since it's five minute friday i didn't want to eat it up with uh call-ins you know if i played the call-ins that'd be the whole show sometimes i do that but t- this time i thought i'd just put them on the hump day uh put the call-ins here and what i was talking about is like having a backup game if not everybody shows up for the game your regular game having something that you can just uh quickly run for a small group that's there and so i came up with call of cthulhu that's the one i'm going to work on and uh but i got some call-ins from uh, some other folks with some other ideas you're going to hear from uh jeff collier joe richter cody m even making an appearance and jason and um when they start i should have clarified when i did the uh five minute friday that for call of cthulhu i would be using pre-gens i'd be using any one shot one time deal like that I'm, i would definitely be using pre-gens uh but i didn't specify that so um there is some reference to you know, taking the time to roll up characters, but you know, for Call of Cthulhu, one of the other good things about it is the, the, the archetypes are really kind of clear, you know, um, if, you know, detective, you know what I mean? Or doctor. Uh, so I can just leave off a name, leave off the gender and, and, and just kind of package some skills up and just have some ready where anybody can jump in. I think that's a good thing that the archetypes are so clear because, uh, you know, some other games, there's so much lore, this, that, and the other involved that you maybe don't even know what, what the, what the heck race they're talking about or whatever. So, 
But anyway, I should have been clear about that. So you hear some reference to that, but you get a lot of ideas, and I thought I'd put these on this show because there are uh, uh, some good tips and things like that. So let's check out these messages. Jason here. Just calling on your idea of what to play when people don't show up. For me, it's either going to... The advantage of a board game or a card game is that you don't have to come up with a scenario. You know, you don't have to actually GM it, right? So that gives you that night off is GMing and let let you guys still play something that you all enjoy doing together. But if you want to play an RPG and you have some scenarios set up ahead of time, I like light RPGs. So Call of Cthulhu is great for all the reasons you mentioned. It's a perfect thing. It might take a couple minutes to make characters. Um, so I kind of tend towards lighter games like the Cthulhu hack, you know, based off Black Hack or ICRPG. Or even something like Rhesus, to be honest. Um, but they're just my thoughts. Keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, what up, Froth? It's Joe, man. Um, so I was just thinking a perfect one-shot game is Apocalypse World or any of the Powered by Apocalypse system. Though I haven't played all of them. But seriously, like, I love Call of Cthulhu. I absolutely love it. But character creation does take a little bit. Uh, not too long, but Apocalypse World, you can make a character in probably about 10 minutes, maybe, maybe even less. Uh, the system is super simple to understand. It's perfect for a one-shot because that's kind of what the game is designed for, short little campaigns. So, yeah, uh, that's that's my recommendation. Have a great day, man. Peace out. Hey, Frost, it's Cody. Uh, just catching up on your podcast here for one-shots. I'd probably roll um, Into the Odd or Savage Worlds. Um, both of those are, like, really, really simple. You can, you know, teach basically teach the player facing rules and get a character rolling in, like, ten minutes for your players. Um, and then while you're doing that, you know, you could be making up a session. And both of those have a lot of online resources that have reskinned them to something that isn't boxed in or fantasy. Um, I saw one for Into the Odd the other day that was like Mad Max. It totally reskinned the game to, to fit in the Mad Max universe, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, that's my uh, my two cents there for you. Also, I have to say, I had to completely finish listening to Logan sing your song before I could record this message. Um, to me, I think you got the best song on Anchor, brother. Later. One backup game that I always keep around is called Lady Blackbird. It's a free RPG. You can find it online. It's about 15 pages. It has pre-gen characters, a couple pages of setting, and a full resolution mechanic. It only uses uh, D6s. It's kind of a steampunk Firefly type setup. Um, and you can find it on, I believe the, the guy's name is John Harper, and his design, his website is called 17design. And like I said, you should definitely check it out. Free PDF, free game, great backup game. All right, so you heard from Jeff Collier there from Tome of All Dooms, Cody M. from No Save for You, uh, Joe Richter from Hindsightless, and Jason, who, who knows, probably maybe start up AnchorCast soon. We'll see. Lots of folks are doing it. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but um, lots of good ideas there. Again, yeah, I should have specified that I, I would have pre-gens ready. Uh, I don't want to eat up any time on a one-shot with uh, character creation, even if it's simple. And 
some games there that I've even, you know, downloaded, but haven't ever looked at like lady blackbird. I know I've got a copy of that somewhere, but I had no idea what the, the setting or any of that was. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. And I still haven't ever played any apocalypse world games, but I'm keen on, uh, on getting this new cult that I know uses, uh, if not the exact mechanics and something very close. So, um, and there's some other hacks of that or spinoff games that look interesting to me. And, uh, so lots of interesting stuff there. And, um, yeah, Cody Savage Worlds. I'm saving that for a campaign. That's, uh, East Texas university. I'm already brainstorming that. I, I, I think that will definitely uh, I'd say definitely, but I'm 99% sure that's the next thing I'm going to run, uh, waiting on the new box to come. And, and that's one where, yeah, the, the, uh, character creation is quick, but there, there are a lot of exceptions in that one that I'd be afraid. I know the base mechanic, you know, it, the base target number and everything is pretty simple, but there's so many little combat things. I might be hesitant on that one, but, um, yeah, Into the Odd, another game I bought that I, I don't think I've even completed reading. So, you know, we're, you know, the kind of game collector I am. <laughs> Just throw it on the shelf. Um, part of that's because I have to run it. So I can only manage one thing at a time. But anyway, getting all way off topic as usual. But I sure do appreciate all y'all um, calling in. Those are really good suggestions. Uh, Index Card RPG, that's another one that, uh, I don't own that one, but I, I heard someone doing a review on it. That may have been on the Tome of All Dooms doing a review of that um, sometime over the last few months. And uh, that sounded pretty cool. And I know that's got kind of a diehard following. There are a few games that have like that diehard following. Like you don't know where they are. I don't know what forum they're on. You know, I don't know what social media they're on, but like uh, dungeon crawl, crawl classics is that way. And index card RPG seems that way too. There's some like diehards out there. So, but anyway, appreciate y'all moving along. I got a call in from Cody's bro, Tyler M who has just started a new podcast here on anchor. Let's hear what Tyler's got to say. Hey Froth, it's the mysterious brother Tyler Mazza here from A 27th Life. Um, I was just calling to uh, thank you for all your, you know, words of encouragement on your 100th episode. Um, I was inspired to go get the Anchor app and started my own podcast. Uh, just rolled with it and put it out there. It's not perfect, but like you said, I'm sure I'll get better. Um, I hope to get 100 under my belt. And, uh, you know, man, keep doing what you're doing. So that's Tyler from the new anchor podcast, a 20 sided life. And, uh, I'll tell you that, that was a great message to get. <laughs> Made me feel good there, Tyler. And, um, a lot of new anchor casts, uh, recently. And, um, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that there's more and more people podcasting and coming together, uh, through anchor, you know, the great thing about it is you can leave people messages like you're hearing now. And that is what's kind of made it where instead of everybody being an Island, it's kind of, it's more of a community, you know, between that and, uh, chatting on discord and everything. It, it makes it, uh, it's, it's cool. It's like, uh, like, uh, I've mentioned talking with Rob C and others, you know, it's like punk rock podcasting, you know, just do it in your phone, 
no frills, put your thoughts out there, connect with other people. It's awesome. And, uh, I listened to, um, Tyler's first cast and really enjoyed it. Um, he's talking about getting started on RPGs with some star Wars and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm excited to see where it goes. And, um, you know, I'm thrilled that anything I do encourages anybody else to do anything creative. That is, uh, like makes me feel very good. So I'm glad you just jumped right in and did it and, uh, encourage others to do the same. And, uh, so that's awesome. Y'all go over and check out Tyler's new show, a 20 sided life. Got a couple other messages now that are more hump day specific. They are, um, talking about topics from last week. If you haven't listened to that, you know, you can go back and check it out, but you'll hear a variety of things get touched on, including the final topic where I was talking a little bit about this, uh, OSR sword dream thing that's going on and some other stuff like that. So you're going to hear again from Jason as well as Spencer, AKA free thrall. Hey, Jason here. Just want to comment on your post today. Um, or yesterday, maybe the Wednesday post. So you've got so much content there. I can't cover it all. The role-playing game, official role-playing game I'd like to see is masters of the universe. Thank you for posting to the Warhammer Fantasy Generator Guide. That's awesome. And I can just hit the highlights here. As far as starting up at higher levels, you know, as we get older and have less gaming time, I think you have to do that if you want to play these adventures, like you say. You know, and, and I don't think there's any problem with doing something. You know, Conan's stories were written out of order. I don't think there's any issue at all with generating. You know, if you guys have your, your party and you want to play a higher level game, Generate a party that's higher level just for that higher level game. And then you can go back and play a lower level party if you want. But hold on, you're going to get Jackson here. Hey, Jason, just finished my thoughts. So I think if you can have your party generated at different points in their career and bounce back and forth to play modules, I don't think there's a negative to that. You, you know, I mean, it depends on your group, but that's always a way to do it. I, but I, I've never had any issue with generating higher level characters. I don't think that's a problem. The other thing I wanted to talk about real quickly is the sword dream thing. It's important to find out why people aren't comfortable in the OSR community and why they feel they need to leave so we can correct any issues we have in the community. You know, if we have bullies in the community, we need to deal with that. That's not okay. But we sh if somebody wants to leave and create their own separate community, that's okay too. And we shouldn't give them a hard time over that. So, you know, being inclusive means let people make choices. It's okay to do that. So, yeah, I, I don't have any heartbreak over it. The key is just to learn and if it identifies problems, to address them. So, you're doing a great job. Take care. Hey, Froth. Spencer here. Just catching up on a hump day. And uh, great episode. I thought it was a nice kind of a rounded view of uh, the whole sword dream thing and um, just thinking about my initial reactions to it and about the it being a, a splinter group that's uh, promoting inclusivity just sort of struck me as a bit of an oxymoron but um if that gets the broader community to take a look at itself, then I guess that's got to be a good thing. And if it's a reason for producing lots of new 
and interesting content, well, that's a good thing too. So, um, yeah. You heard again from Jason there and Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, legendary anchorite on the Keep Off the Borderlands podcast. Appreciate y'all both calling in. First thing, Jason, I love how you're talking about, you know, the Conan stories being at different times in Conan's life and everything. And it made me think about, well, first of all, I wanted to say, as far as rolling up higher level characters, you know, some of these higher level modules are pre-gens, but if we're going to run like a full on module, I usually like to roll them, but I usually like to use the guidelines from the, uh, first edition DMG, you know, cause it's got like percentage chances for, uh, different classes to have magic items and things like that. And I, I usually use those, uh, for party members that come in at higher level. And uh, so I'd probably use that, you know, and kind of, there's an increased percentage basically based on the character level. So if you're running something really high, they're pretty much guaranteed to have some some magic armor and weapons and stuff like that. But you also gave me an idea and it's kind of like, it might sound like kind of Stephen King it like or something, but it would be cool to do some kind of campaign, have a structure where, you know, the the party doesn't, you know, the players don't know that any of this is going to happen. They don't know they're going to jump around time periods, but they're playing, you know, like adult characters and there's some kind of mystery or some kind of weird thing they're investigating or whatever. And, um, and then they, it kind of leads them to find out that the whole mystery ties into something that happened to them when they were younger. And it's maybe something that's been blocked out or something that, you know, there could be even be sci-fi, like their mind was erased or something, but the, you know, it leads up to a point where they realize that it, something has happened before or however you want to, um, tweak it. And then you have them roll up the same character as a kid and play out the beginning of the mystery. So it's kind of like it or something in reverse order or something along those lines. But I had that kind of idea flash in my brain, listening to you talk about it. And I appreciate y'all's comments on sword dream. You know, something I thought about after I mentioned that, um, you know, I think both, you see sometimes where some arguments like get shut down. Like there's like, it's almost like a meme or something to say, well, not all this or whatever, not all this or this way. And, and people shut that down as like being an argument you can't really make anymore. And in some cases I do understand that, but I think that ultimately hardcore, some OSR folks that, and, and sword dream folks, it's kind of like the irony is they're kind of making the same argument, you know, with, some OSR people are just like, well, no, there's some bad, you know, there's some bad people, but not everybody's that way. And, and kind of defending themselves. And then with sword dream, it's kind of like, yeah, there are some bad people in OSR, but not everyone's that way here. Let's, let's use this label to, you know, to show that we're not that, you know, so it's kind of like the same thing, um, which I thought was kind of, I don't know, a little bit ironic. But I think it's natural to, um, if you're not, you know, no one wants to be lumped in with a bunch of, uh, terrible people and when you're not. And, um, and, uh, and then some people might say, 
Well, no one's saying that everybody's that way. When yeah, they are. I've seen the arguments myself. I've seen people point blank say anybody that likes old gaming is basically a misogynist, you know, uh, you know, person that wants to go back to, you know, the Stone Ages or whatever. You know, I've seen it. You know, literally written that way. No room for nuance. <laughs> so, um, but anyway. I don't want to beat that horse anymore. Um, if, if anybody's interested in what I had to say about it, you can go back and listen to it. And You know, it's a touchy subject in, in some ways. I do. Uh, but I tried to make my, you know, explain my my thoughts on it as clearly as I could. And But something that's funny that just happened is I got a message from Yoder from Random Encounters in the Library. Yoder's jonesing for that hump day. Like I'm, I'm recording it now. It's afternoon. I wanted to start recording on Tuesday like I used to, so I could have them out Wednesday morning. It didn't happen for me again this week, but thought I'd just play this real quick from Yoder. who's jonesing for some hump day. Hey there, Froth. This is Jim. I was just calling to make sure everything's going okay. Hopefully you just got really busy. Um, but, you know, no rush. The blogorama, well, you still got like eight hours. So, you know, and you don't have to get them all. You, you can miss one every once in a while, I guess. All right. Well, take care and uh, hope everything's going well for you. And um, keep up the good work, sir. Mr. Yoder, your wish is my command. We're going to get started. Um, unfortunately, uh, getting started with some some sad news. Uh, you know, last week I mentioned about the crowdfunding that's going on for Rick Loomis. And um, unfortunately, Rick Loomis passed away. I, I put up a link from uh, we're at the Blackmore Mistara blog, Havard's Blackmore blog, uh, talking about it. And... Um, Something I wanted to say about it, um, d don't let this discourage you from, um, uh, continuing, you know, if it's in your heart to, to give, uh, to, um, the, the crowdfunding, or I, I believe they're doing some, um, you know, uh, packages where you can, you know, get a discount to buy a lot of, um, products from Founding Buffalo, um, you know, with some tunnels and trolls, grim tooth trap stuff and, and all that. So, um, a lot of the costs and everything associated with it don't end, um, uh, you know, don't end when someone passes the way stuff's set up, especially here in the U S I mean, it's going to be endless bills, uh, on his loved ones as well as, uh, you know, costs associated with that. And I've been through that. My father <clears throat> passed from cancer a few years ago. Um, uh, just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a horrifying, horrible, horrible thing. Um, great thing about, uh, Mr. Loomis is, uh, leaving a legacy that, uh, an enviable legacy, lots of people who, um, whose lives he touched and who, uh, you know, happiness that, uh, you know, he brought into the world. So. Rest in peace, Mr. Loomis. 
Well, last week I, I tried something new, and I don't think, know if I'll do it every time, but uh, there was just some cool like pop culture news going around, and I thought I'd, again, talk a little bit about some stuff that I spotted. Starting over at Hero Press, the Hero Press blog, it's Hero Press 2, and it's just spelled out to, not the number, so heropress2.blogspot.com. Says Disney has your childhood and you're gonna give them hard cash to see it. Now I gotta be honest, y'all. I'm pumped up about this like Disney streaming service that's coming out in November. For one thing, I've got Hulu and I can you know smush that right into it, and it's only like you know thirteen dollars or something. And they got all these Star Wars and Marvel shows that are be gonna be coming out for it. And so Disney had like a convention deal recently, the D23 convention. And they made a lot of announcements about shows that are going to be on there. And as far as uh, Marvel stuff, you know, I talk about Marvel superheroes. That actually comes up later in the, the show. But we talk about superheroes and stuff from time to time. And there's going to be a She-Hulk show. Now, that sounds rad to me, i got to admit. Miss Marvel and Moon Knight. And uh, Moon Knight, that, that was my brother's favorite Everybody in my neighborhood, we all had favorite comics. You know, mine was the Punisher. I had a bunch of Punisher. My brother, don't know why, for some reason, he just liked Moon Knight. So he had a bunch of Moon Knight comics. And uh, so Moon Knight TV show just sounds <laughs> rad to me. So I put that up. And uh, and then there was some other stuff, you know, tying around Star Wars. You know, first of all, there was a the new Star Wars Rise of Skywalker poster. Uh, you know, it looks like the emperor's back and everything. I put that up from geeknative.com and then at pop culture, uncovered, uh, the pop culture uncovered blog, they put up a trailer for the new star Wars. This will be on that Disney thing. Star Wars, the Mandalorian trailer. And this looks just freaking awesome. It's even got, uh, uh, right at the end you hear, um, Werner Herzog's voice come in. I'm like, what is that Herzog? No. And yeah. Werner Herzog's going to be in this thing. That just made, turned it to a, just a must-watch. I don't know if y'all have ever watched any Herzog movies or seen him in movies. He, he's a great actor uh, when given a chance in some movies, too. Um, Harmony Korine's Julian Donkey Boys and that. That's a crazy movie. I don't know if anybody out there is a Harmony Korine fan, but... But anyway, check out this Mandalorian trailer. It looks awesome. And then I heard uh, another thing about they're going to they're gonna do an Obi-Wan show with uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. And I, you know, say what you want about those, you know, prequel movies. I always liked Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. So anyway, just a few pop culture things that may have gone under your radar that I noticed this week that I thought I would mention. And now, a word from our sponsors. All right, so something completely different for the maps this week. I mean, and just awesome stuff. I'm really excited to share this with you all. First, I'm going over the NPR.org blog, and they put up a post 440 years ago and filled with footprints. These aren't your everyday maps. So these were maps that are on display at the Blanton Museum of Art in Austin, Texas, and they're from the 1500s, and they're... They're done by indigenous, you know, folks that were already, you know, here when Europeans came here. And uh, as it mentions, they demonstrate a very different sense of space than maps drawn by Europeans. They're not drawn to scale. Instead, they're deeply utilitarian. So you've got one that's like, uh, 
let's see. It's got figures in the column that represent 10 generations of rulers and a series of footprints to indicate a marriage license, a marriage with a neighboring town. And uh, you'll just have to look at these uh, and read the article. But uh, this will give you all kinds of ideas. Like sometimes it's really good to see a completely different perspective. And we oftentimes get kind of locked into uh, ways of thinking and ways of approaching th things. Uh, and um, looking at maps that are completely, you know, completely alien in a way. Uh, to to the tradition of, of mapping you might be used to um, is really freeing and enlightening and I think great inspiration for games. So I know that some folks, <laughs> you guys out there with talent out there, uh, you know who you are, uh, mappers and, and whatnot, artists, take a look at these and see if these don't give you some inspiration for your next uh, creation. Uh, you can really take things into a different way. Uh, so that that's really awesome stuff over at NPR.org. And then Jack Shear over at Tales of the Grotesque and Dungeness.blogspot.com did another one of these great posts that um, Jack's done recently where uh, there's a, a few links to some things. And they're all cool links, but the one that really caught my eye was Relive Medieval London's Bloody Murders with this new interactive death map. And it takes you over to the Smithsonian. And it's pretty morbid, but it's really interesting from a historical perspective. If, if you're running a historical game, it's got all these little tidbits on, you know, weird murders and stuff that happened in medieval times. And it's just one, just one of those out there things uh, where I spotted, I was like, ah, that's going to the maps. But um, also another good article uh, that he linked, uh, The Terrible Occult Detectives of the Victorian Era. That's another one to check out. And then also I picked up Jack's new um, zine. Uh, dirge of Eurasia. Um, I don't know. I know they were selling fast, but if you want to, um, check out the zine that, uh, that Jack's doing, that's got a link over there too. Uh, if you're like me and you, you spot somebody working on a zine, you're like, I want to get my hands on that zine. Uh, but it looks really cool. So anyway, some interesting map stuff. Um, you know, relive medieval London's bloody murders with the interactive death map, and then check out these 16th century, uh, maps, not your everyday maps, you know, from, uh, not from a European perspective. All right. So some reviews and retrospectives to talk about starting over at Flintlocks, Flintlocks and witchery.blogspot.com. Let's see if I got a name. Yeah. James T. Hook talking about the new Pathfinder second edition. And I picked up a copy of this and I got to admit, I'm pleasantly surprised. I think it is an improvement in every way on the first edition Pathfinder. It's just my opinion. Um, the character creation is very, now it's not something you just sit down and roll up a character in five seconds for, for a lot of, you know, old school purists, you know, I, I know they're going to hate it. So, you know, but, uh, I like how the character creation is. It's all kind of feet choices. You've got, um, you've got feats tied to your race. You've got feats tied to your skills, you've got feats tied to your class, you've got feats, uh, feats, feats, feats. And, um, so you get a lot of choices at different levels and, uh, you can really make, um, a unique character, you know, cause you have all these, you know, basic class chassis and then all these little choices. And, uh, so I've got a monk, I would say rolled up, but you don't even roll a character in this. Uh, it's got optional rules to roll, but it's similar to, 
how Starfinder is, if you're familiar with that, where you just kind of start with 10 across the board and you get boosts depending on your choices and everything like that is the way it works. So I know a lot of people are rolling their eyes here and that too, but I think it's pretty cool. Um, it's interesting. I think it's a, like I say, a big improvement, um, uh, on the first edition. A lot of the things it just is made to make more sense. Like there's kind of like an action economy where you have three actions around and, you know, different little icons that tell you how much of an, you know, how much different things will cost to use it. And there's a, it's, it's pretty neat. So I, uh, I'm actually going to get to play Thursday night in a Pathfinder Society 2E game. So I've, I've got, uh, this monk wing po all ready to go, ready to flurry of blows on some folks. So who knows? So we'll see how it goes. Maybe that'll be what I talk about on Friday, but if you want to read more in depth about, um, second edition Pathfinder, there's that review over at Flintlocks and Witchery. Switching gears completely over to tentfootpole.org. Bryce Lynch over there talking about this new OSR product that I had not heard of. Sounds awesome though. The 100 clones of Timothy the Wise. It's a 126 page adventure featuring 100 rooms of a funhouse dungeon. A powerful wizard named Timothy the Wise has cloned himself a hundred times and all the clones have run amok. And it's a high level adventure and reading through it, this sounds, uh, Really cool. Bryce liked it. I got to get me a copy. So if you want a high level gonzo adventure, it looks like this uh, 100 clones of Timothy the Wise might be a winner. Check that out, out over at 10footpole.org. Then over at the Dungeon Worlds blog, Dungeon Words blog, dungeonwords.blogspot.com. See if I got a name here. Uh, I don't have a name. Uh, that I can see, but it's a, again, talking about cult that I brought up earlier. I don't know. I just got to love, I just like cults. I've got the first edition and I'm intrigued, intrigued by this divinity lost. I should have backed the Kickstarter, but I, I got the feeling that it was going to be one of these ones that took forever and maybe would never come out. I don't know. Sometimes you have that Kickstarter spidey sense and I was wrong on this one. I should have backed it. Uh, now I'll just have to find this stuff, uh, used or, or, try to find a decent price on it but if you want to know more about how the new cult works this is a, a good review you can check that out then over at lastmovieoutpost.com they did a retrospective on marvel superheroes a game that i love but did not catch on with my family uh, unfortunately uh and especially my wife i don't know why she didn't like it i think it's just more of a liking D D more so when it came time to play again just like, let's just play D and D. It's like, okay, no problem. I want to, not going to force it on anybody, if the, but, uh, what sucks about it is it puts me in the position where ugh, I want to play some. So somebody out there roll some, you know, running some Marvel superheroes, you know, think of old frothy. So maybe I can get into a game. Otherwise I'm, I don't know when it's going to happen. I'll have to run it myself and, we're running D and D for them, running D and D for my group, playing in Savage Worlds next. It's sad to think about, but it may be years before I get to play Marvel superheroes again, you know, kind of bleak, a bleak thought, but you can go and look at, uh, look at some, um, images and stuff like that. There's a cool ad from, uh, I guess probably, a 
maybe in a, in a dragon or, or something else. Uh, cool ad from back in the day of the Marvel superheroes basic set and stuff like that. So if you're into it, go over to lastmovieoutpost.com, check that out. And there was an interview with Bradley K. McDevitt, who uh, I was most familiar with, you know, for, for as an artist. You know, you'll see Bradley's art in a lot of different products, OSR and otherwise, but also was involved with a couple games nightlife and it came from the late 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 show and uh there's an interview over at gmshoe.wordpress.com a site that i increasingly mention and that i really enjoy because it's it, it's always an interview uh and it's the only blog i can think of that just does kind of interviews and that's you know that's what the whole you know um shtick of the the blog is a q a so i think that's a really clever idea and a very enjoyable blog to check out and they do an interview with Bradley K. McDevitt where they kind of touch on those older games and everything. So if you've played, uh, played those games um, or are interested in hearing a little bit more about it, a very readable interview with Bradley K. McDevitt over there at gmshoe.wordpress.com. Then finally, on the reviews and retrospectives, at Throne of Salt, um, <clears throat> Dan over there, Dan's blog's come up several times, but does it kind of quick review of the new eclipse phase second edition very positive um especially in regard to character creation being simplified and everything that was one of the things that reading through the first edition was made me very apprehensive it looked like you really had to spend a lot of time with some points and everything uh, and it looks like they simplified the skill list and made character creation um uh a lot easier in fact it says the damnable point by system is out skill packages uh, are the default. So, um, that sounds cool. Anything to make that game a little bit more user friendly for, for newbies. I'm all for it because it's such a cool concept. The core mechanic, you know, the D 100 thing is easy to understand, but then you get into a million skills and, uh, and the kind of overwhelming options of character creation. And, and, and it's, and it's hard to get, get over that to, to get to the game. Um, but anyway, sounds awesome. So I'm going to have to pick up second edition at some point. Uh, but no rush. I got too much already. But anyway, if you're interested in reading about second, uh, second edition eclipse phase, go over to throneofsalt.blogspot.com and check that out. All right. Getting right into the free stuff now. Yeah. I, I, there's so much stuff on this show. I actually, I, I'm not doing the random tables this week. I know. I know. I know. I know. I hear you. I know. But. There's so much stuff. Uh, I had to cut stuff from every segment, including the free stuff. And uh, I just don't want these to be, you know, an hour and a half. Um, and there's still a lot of show to get to. So we're going to get right into the free stuff because I know people want to see that or hear that rather. So I'm starting over at Darkworm Colt, darkwormcult.blogspot.com. Norbert Matosh's blog. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I know I say that every time, but I almost put this up under the retrospective heading because it's talking about car wars you know classic car wars game from steve jackson games but the cool thing is i didn't realize that steve jackson games has the original car wars um rules up for a free download and it's got that in this blog post so if you're if you've been interested in car wars and want to check out what it was all about you can download that for free so go over and check that out at darkwormcult.blogspot.com then spitting image over at late night zen late night zen.blogspot.com put up another one page setting free pdf download the shrouded city 
And it's also got links to the previous two that Spitting Images put up, including the Haunted City and the Mad City. So free one-page setting, Shrouded City. Check it out over at latenightzen.blogspot.com. Moving right along, Glenn Seal over at Monkey Blood Design Blog, monkeybloodesign.co.uk. Talented artist, uh, talented cartographer, talented designer, just talented in, uh, talented in general. Originator of the Midderland setting has put up the Scallop the Fishman. It's a free PDF that you can download. Talks a little bit about these uh, fishmen characters, and uh, you can use them as monsters or races or whatever in your Midderlands game. Uh, of course, the stats are statted out uh, swords and wizardry style, so you can use it with just about anything. Love the artwork; it's very Lovecraftian. Check that out over at MonkeyBloodDesign.co.uk. Then. Our friend Talisman over at 9and30kingdoms.blogspot.com. No one does more... Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Between Talisman and Chris Tam from Elf Maids and Octopi, uh, they are the uh, you, you, they put out more pamphlet dungeons than just about anybody, and I love these things. Uh, and at, Talisman has put up two. One is Ur Urban Geomorphs Stables Number 1, and the other is the common quarter block number one. And you can download these both for free. Um, Talisman always coming up with these awesome um, free uh, pamphlet PDFs. So go over there and check them out. And I know that over the weeks I've put up tons and tons of links over here. But Talisman keeps churning them out. So I'm going to keep linking them. A couple other free things that I want to mention before I forget about them. Like I almost just did over at Lester's Rambles. Lesterramble.blogspot.com. You've got Vance A over there building a free downloadable PDF adventure from a map from Daniel Walthall. And now Daniel's work has come up on Hump Day Before in the map section. Daniel will do these awesome OSR style maps and then have kind of numbered lined areas around the map on the sheet so you can build your own adventure around it, which is exactly what Vance did. So you can go over to Lester's Ramble, download the Sinking Temple of Gorth. Then, uh, <clears throat> something I had gotten a notification of because I had it in my blog roll that I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. I don't know if there are any Harn fans out there, Harn World, but there's a site called lithia.com. I've got the link up there. All these links, again, are up on the thought of your blog, but lithia.com, your gateway to Harn World. And it's got just hundreds of downloads. So one of the cool things about Harn is that... Um, you can use the setting stuff with just about anything, and it's got a really devoted fan base. You know, I was talking before about um, how some people are hardcore into index card RPG and Dungeon Crawl Classics. Well, the Harn fans, I mean, these are folks that have been t into it, you know, 30 plus years, and they're, they're, they're hardcore into it as well. And so, um, you know, they've really developed the world and... Um, and, uh, I mean, there's, there's free zines, there's free adventures, there's free tools, there's all kinds of stuff. So if you've ever been curious about Harn or, uh, you have maybe that original Harn box or these kind of things, but you were unaware of lithia.com, or even if you just want some medieval kind of flavored stuff to just peruse around and use in your game, you really should go over to lithia.com and check out the downloads. And I mean, it's unbelievable how many free resources there are and, I couldn't remember if I ever mentioned this or not. If I did, it would have been right when I started. But uh, go over to lithia.com, check out the downloads, uh, all kinds of stuff for, for Harn that uh, 
some of it specific to the Hornmaster system, but a, but a lot of it you can just use um, in your in any game. And then an awesome free post from David Sheridan over at the Technical Grimoire blog, technicalgrimoire.com. Jalopy Design, cool resources. This is one for folks out there that are maybe designing their own stuff or whatever, and it's got all kinds of free resources, um, uh, general tips on um, uh, usage rights, free fonts, how to find them, Free images, how to find them, stuff from the British Library, Yale University, WikiArt, um, free maps, um, learning resources on how to, you know, do layout and everything else. All kinds of, uh, I mean, it's just on and on and on. So probably could have put this one under its own heading, but um, David over the Technical Grimoire did the did the legwork for you. So uh, this is filled with all kinds of links I need to research and check out. But if you're if you're a a uh, small time or big time publisher if you're looking at putting some stuff out if you're interested in uh, a bunch of resources to help you uh, make your stuff more awesome go over and check out this jalopy design cool resources post from uh, at the technical and i think that's all the free stuff i got time for i think double check yep that's it <laughs> some miscellaneous stuff to bounce through Grodog over at the From Karoth's Quill blog, Grodog, G-R-O-D-O-G dot blogspot dot com. Uh, put up the video. The video is now streaming from GaryCon 11. This will be of interest to any uh, Greyhawk fans out there. The Celebrating Greyhawk, a fandom renaissance seminar, now streaming. Grodog does a ton to support Greyhawk, and this is awesome to see. I've only just started it. I haven't gotten to watch the whole thing yet, but very cool. If you're a Greyhawk fan, you don't want to miss that over at grodog.blogspot.com. Something for all those weird occult folks that listen to my podcast. I know you're out there. Um, anyway, I've talked before about using occult imagery and themes and RPGs, and uh, I came across this. I think somebody shared it on Twitter or something, but it's over at boingboing.net. The world's largest occult library has a public online archive. So, yeah, you know if this will be of, of interest to you. Um, but the Hermetically Open Archive has got uh, its core collection online, scanned in post, and all this stuff is apparently in the public domain. So, yeah, you can get real weird really fast going over and checking that out. Gideon over at the Awesome Lies blog, awesomelies.blog.wordpress.com. My favorite Warhammer fantasy blog put up a great post deja vu where it's kind of talking about all the different elements that Warhammer pulled in from other, you know, fantasy elements, um, fantasy literature, as well as real world elements to develop its old world setting. And it was just a really great essay. If you enjoy Warhammer fantasy, uh, you should go over and check that out. Deja vu over at awesomelinesblog.wordpress.com. Shane Ward, Legendary Anchorite, podcasting here on Anchor, does the uh, Gilligan's Isle of ADD podcast and the three toadstools.blogspot.com blog. Put up a post, Nifty Things. Uh, it was their thousandth post on the blog, which is awesome. Congratulations on that, Shane. And they just put up some stuff they've been checking out recently, so I thought this was a neat post. Talking about this game, Sword and Spell, some other stuff. Uh, one thing that caught my eye, this Defiant Earth, 1950s sci-fi RPG game. And I'd heard, seen this posted from someone else recently. I, I guess maybe 
this was from a Kickstarter that just came out, but it looks like a cool game. Almost got that old, uh, um, what's the one? I don't know. I smell, I smell classic Froth Silence coming. It was like a Tim Burton movie, Mars Attacks. It's got that kind of look, that kind of, hey, I did all right. It's got that kind of sci-fi look to it. So cool post from Shane. Congratulations on a thousand posts, Shane. Evelyn M. over at the Chromatic Cauldron blog, chaudronchromatique.blogspot.com. Evelyn M. put up a cool post, positive-gross. And this is all about the whole idea of, uh, you know, using kind of disturbing imagery and these kind of things, and instead of using it in a kind of ultra-violent, nihilistic kind of way, kind of finding the beauty and uh, a different way to use that kind of thing. And, and Evelyn's art is unbelievable in this post. Um, and it's an interesting philosophical post. And like I say, it's filled with incredible, incredible art. Love it. And uh, so go over and check that out. I'll give you something to think about and also something to look at at chaudronchromatique.blogspot.com. And then finally, I thought this was just kind of funny. Phil Viverito over at theseoldgames.com put up a post nerd cred 1970s edition you know it was hot in the 70s hook latch you know the old hook latch uh kind of like uh you're making little carpets and uh do you know what else was hot battlestar galactica and they got pictures of these carpets they have with the cylon and the little uh you know dog uh dog robot muffet uh from the 70s i just thought this was kind of Kind of something funny to leave y'all with before we get to the final topic. So for the final topic tonight, I'm talking about, uh, well, you know, this uh, Secrets of Blackmore um, crowdfunded documentary uh, apparently is out to backers. I didn't back it. I'm sure I'll see it at some point. Um, but it is out now. And then there was this article that I've been seeing a lot on social media from Kotaku.com. And this is by Cecilia D'Anastasio, and uh, Cecilia did the, another article recently where, you may have read it, where it was talking, um, interviewing, it was like a kind of a, a feature on Gail Gygax. And uh, anyway, what surprised, the, the article is, I, don't, I think it's a well-written article, um, but the, what was surprising to me is... Um, people's reaction to reading it this it seems like this was a lot of most you know most if not everything in this article was already you know common knowledge to me and i know probably a lot of other people if you if you cared to know anything about the the history of the game um but the uh, on the other hand the reaction that a lot of people had to this article showed me that it was not common knowledge and that, um, you know, I was completely wrong you know, in, in assuming it. In fact, um, it's been viewed, you know, 250,000 times this week. There's hundreds of comments and the basic idea is it's talking about, you know, the, the, how OD and D came about and, you know, who's kind of responsible for what and, you know, um, where the, ideas from Arneson, um, for Arneson's Blackmore game, where those kind of originated from and how it all kind of evolved. And, uh, you know, and eventually, you know, Gygax kind of, you know, providing the impetus to, to make it into an actual product for sale. 
And uh, a couple things about the article. I mean, I definitely think Arneson has gotten a, a you know, kind of screwed over the years. Uh, I, I definitely don't have a, or any disagreement there. Um, our, um, and I, I think that uh, certainly some of the way, now I wasn't there or anything, but some of the way it appears, you know, some of the dealings with Arneson, um, you know, appear, you know, on the shady side and everything uh, with the way that he was kind of, you know, treated, being kind of pushed out of uh, TSR and, and uh, you know, and, and having to eventually, you know, sue for, for, um, for damages and everything or for, for, to recoup, you know, money from, you know, but, uh, at the same time, the article kind of pushes back a little bit, probably, too, probably a little bit too far. The pendulum swings back a little bit too far on Gygax. And part of that is from Rob Kuntz, who, you know, throughout the article, it tells you, you know, that Kuntz was living alone. Uh, I guess uh, a family member was institutionalized and, you know, Gygax let him into the house, kind of be part of the family, sleep there, presumably fed him and everything. And, uh, you know, there's at one point where, let me try to find the, the comment, uh, sorry, I should have had this. Anyway, he makes a comment that sounds, I don't know, the way it comes across in here seems a little, uh, gosh, come on, froth. It's a long article. It's got a lot of great pictures, and, and it's well-written, but, um, sheesh. God, classic froth. Oh, he says, you know, that, that Gary was jealous of, of Arneson's ideas, which, which who knows, may be true. Um, but then it says, uh, if there's any good, here it is. Finally, God, if there's any good thing, this is from Rob Coons, you know, sleeps at Gary's house, fed by Gary, given jobs by Gary, included by Gary as a, as a teen. And then it says, if there's any good thing you could say about Gary, you could say you knew when to move on a good idea and had the wherewithal to make it happen. You know, what about, I would think, you know, if there's any good thing you could say about Gary, he fed me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if there's any good thing I could say about Gary, he gave me a place to stay and fed me. You know what I mean? Um, but part of this is, is Kuntz is kind of plugging a book. And, you know, and I don't want to get too controversial talking about it, but that just jumped out at me as like, whoa, you know, I think, uh, you know, the way I always perceive all this is, is, is Arneson coming up with great ideas and everything, but, you know, hearing Tim Cass talk about it and everything, and it, probably Arneson would tell you the same thing. It's not the greatest at putting, organizing the stuff and putting it on paper. And Arneson talks about, you know, many times about how the rules that came out for D&D &D was not really the way he played it. You know, Gygax turned it into a marketable game. I mean, it even says here in the article, for example, you know, Guy, it was Gygax's idea to use the D20. You know what I mean? And, 
And uh, I guess what I'm saying is it takes two to tango. Without both of them, it wouldn't have happened, you know? And this seems a little bit too much. As much as I love Arneson, you know, I've got some Arneson's later stuff, other games he did, and, uh, you know, they're like, they're unplayable. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of it. And uh, so uh, you, you got to have both. And, uh, you, you know, you got to have both. And it seems like it's kind of pushed itself onto, you know, look, Gygax, there's some stuff from Gygax that's painful to read. You know, clearly his ego was the size of, you know, the Flanace at points during the 80s. You read a lot of this dragon stuff where he's going after people making zines and, and uh, it's almost unbelievably uh, um, narcissistic, some of it. And, uh, um, you know, Gary had to have his fall from grace from all from all that and went through that kind of too i guess but um anyway none of this stuff is 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 news none of this stuff is new knowledge you know is new if you've studied it or whatever but for a lot of people that um are maybe coming into it not knowing anything about the history of the game uh, for it to be presented this way in fact the, the whole name of the article is dungeons and deceptions the first D&D &D players pushed back on the legend of Gary Gygax. So for it to be presented this way, naturally it's got a lot of people respond, you know, that were unaware of this kind of, it's not quite sens sensationalism, but it's borderline. So a lot of people pushing back, you know, like Gygax is just this, you know, evil guy or whatever. So anyway, I just thought it was something to think about and, I think that Gygax certainly in the later years interviews and everything I've seen and was, was, um, it was more humble, you know? Um, and I think part of that comes with age and perspective and everything. But then I also think that, you know, as, as great a time as these guys had at Arneson's table and everything, it would have never gone past Arneson's table or a few other, you know, gaming groups. If it wasn't for Gygax having the, you know, pushing to, to make something out of it, make it coherent and everything else. And I mean, when you look at Gygax's legacy of stuff that Gygax created, I mean, the greatest adventures ever, in my opinion, I mean, you're talking about Hamlet, Sajkanth, Descent to the Depths of the Earth. Um, and then that, that was another thing I thought about reading Rob Koontz, because I know Rob Koontz certainly probably got screwed over more than once, not getting credit on some stuff. I know that there's at least one whole adventure, that Morden Kanan's fantastic adventure, whatever, those credited Gygax that was like entirely ghostwritten by Koontz, um, kind of a similar deal to Mincer and the Temple of Elemental Evil. And, and Koontz has done some okay stuff. There's one... Uh, Dark Chateau for Castles and Crusade, the Castles of Gig deal. That's pretty good, but um, I guess the most surprising thing to me was uh, was kind of Kuntz, like, going after him a little bit, but, but I, I don't know. You know, I don't know these people. I, I wasn't around them when all this stuff happened. Um, I, I'm thankful that stuff happened like it did, you know. I'm thankful that Arneson, I, I wish it had maybe happened a little bit different. I uh, certainly wish Arneson had gotten more um, accolades and uh, more recognition. And 
But um, I don't know. You read it. You see what you think. Uh, I've probably flapped my gums enough about it, but read through it. It's a very interesting read. It's got uh, very good scholarship. Talk to Paul Stormberg. It's got fascinating images. A lot of stuff. Some of the stuff I'd seen before and like playing at the world and things like that. But but see what you think. Uh, you think it's accurate? Did it go too far and uh, pushing back against uh, on Gygax? Um, bottom line for me is they probably could have done business. Definitely could have done business a little bit better together, but without having uh, both elements, you don't have a game. You you don't have anything. You got something in, in somebody's brain uh, that never goes anywhere else. And then I'll read some of these uh, comments. Dave Arneson got Jack Kirby'd. Uh, let's see. Well, here's one that I kind of agree with. It's unquestionable that Gygax unfairly exploited Arneson's work and concealed his contributions, but I also think that Kuntz clearly has a tendency to dismiss every contribution Gygax made as driven by jealousy and avarice. Now, that's how it comes across. Uh, anyway, read through the comments, check it out, see what you think. To me, I guess the main thing I would say is, first of all, I was shocked that so many people didn't know the history of uh, how, it was, how it came about. And then I was surprised that Koontz is going to sit there. I know he's like written some book about Arneson or something, but I was surprised that, you know, Koontz's mother it says Koontz's mother had suffered a nervous breakdown, was institutionalized, and he was living at home at 13. And you got Gygax involving him, giving him a job, letting him sleep at the house, feeding him, letting him be part of all this. And then it's like, you know, if there's one thing you say about Gary, he had the wherewithal to make some, you know, he knew when to act on an idea. <laughs> it's just very strange to me uh um but I, I guess uh when you're talking about this much money and and something that's making you know millions and millions and millions nowadays you know there's gonna be uh, shoot I, i'm sure i would have uh i probably wouldn't be as kind if i felt like i've been taken advantage of so anyway talked about it enough go over to kotaku.com check out that dungeon the deception post all right, so that is the show for this week. Got a little rambly on the final topic there, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be doing any editing. I'm going to leave it as is. All the uhs and uhs and awkward pauses. Just going to leave them all in there. <laughs> but anyway, appreciate the bloggers out there giving me this steady stream of awesomeness every week so I can talk about it. Appreciate the listeners out there. Thank you for listening. Be sure and go over to the Thought Eater blog, follow all these links, you can check all this stuff out. See if there's anything else I need to talk about. Well, next will be 5 Minute Friday. Um, we'll see. I'm not sure on the topic yet. We'll maybe maybe be some Pathfinder 2E stuff, maybe something else. Um, but um, anyway, if you want to, I appreciate everybody for uh, that uh, called in and left messages. Thank you very much. Appreciate all of y'all. Um, if you want to be on the show or any of my other shows, you can call in on the Anchor app. You can send me an email, frothsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. Check out the blog, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Still waiting around on Anchor to maybe send me another sponsor. If you're interested in sponsoring this program, uh, want me to plug some of your stuff, <clears throat> get real long-winded about it, uh, shoot me an email or let me know. Uh, Anything gaming related, that would be cool. I'd love to do something 
something like that. If you want to support what I'm doing, there's some simple free ways if you like. You can uh, add me to your blog roll, share me on social media, let other people know about it. Uh, give me a good rating on uh, any of these platforms that allow you to rate it, that kind of thing. would be awesome. But you can also back my Patreon. i got patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Just a dollar a month if you want to support what I'm doing. I am trying to get these zines out finally. I've got two that I'm working on. Trying to work on it, find a good time. Um, I need my wife to help me with layout because I'm pretty uh, challenged when it comes to all that kind of clicking and pasting and copying and manipulating images and just about every every facet of it. <laughs> so it'll come eventually, though. But uh, I really appreciate folks backing me over there on Patreon. Like I say, it's only a dollar a month if you want to support the program and the blog. And is there anything else? I feel like I'm forgetting something, but it is what it is. Uh, I am burnt out. I'm done. Logan, you know what time it is. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind. <laughs>